0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. The segment today is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or give me a call personally. Well, today we're talking about restaurants. What an incredible topic. I love talking about restaurants because we all eat at restaurants, right? And if you're in the commercial real estate industry, restaurants have really evolved. Haven't they really been changing? They've become a very big part of the real estate environment and the retail environment. Please welcome my guest, it's Darren Tristano. He's CEO and founder of Food Service Results and he's joining us on the phone. Darren, good to talk to you again, sir. Likewise, thank you for having me today. Well, Dan, I want to start off with just asking you how uh, restaurant sales are doing today. You know, it seems like in a lot of markets we see a lot of new restaurants. It seems like, uh, you know, I'm headquartered here in Atlanta and we certainly have a lot of restaurants. It seems like a lot of them opening up. Uh, how are sales going?
1: Well, we continue to be in a low growth type of mode with the restaurants today. And a big part of that isn't because the economy is is troubled, because obviously the economy is continuing to do well. It has a lot to do with oversupply of restaurants. So after the last recession, we saw a lot of closures, but we've since seen a lot of new openings. And because there are so many new restaurants, there's actually more seats and more capacity, um, and it's outpaced consumer growth. So our population isn't growing as fast as the number of restaurants opening. So because of that, we're still seeing about a 3.5% increase. A lot of that has to do with inflation, which is about 2%, but very little growth in general. So a lot of competition among the restaurants out there.
0: Okay, so 3.5% increase in top line. So what's that mean on the bottom line for these restaurants in general?
1: On the bottom line, you're seeing about a 1.5% average, which means some restaurants are doing well and other restaurants are doing poorly. Now, combine that with the fact that labor in almost every market has gone up through higher minimum wage, higher expectations, and the labor pool has been shrinking because employment has done so well. So it's not only a higher cost, it's harder to find people, train them, and keep them in the restaurants to, to get those margins out of them.
0: Yeah, well, that's interesting. So what are these restaurants doing to, to make ends meet and to be profitable and competitive?
1: Well, I think we're seeing restaurants trying to differentiate themselves, to be a different place for different consumers. So for a long time, the boomers, with their high spending power, really drove the industry, and we saw brands like Denny's and Applebee's and Friday's growing. Well, the Gen X came along, started to look a little bit differently, but into the millennial generation, we saw a different type of consumer, one that cared about the quality of the food, not just the taste and flavor and quantity, but also what was going in, what were the ingredients, organic, you know, all of these types of health halos. So we've switched from low-fat, low-salt, low-sugar to hormone-free and antibiotic-free and free-range. So those are restaurants that continue to do well with the millennials. They tend to be the independents that have craft beer, craft cocktails, even craft wines. So adult beverage is driving a lot. So in the full-service space, we're seeing some success even into fast-casual, where we're starting to see more beer and wine and even margaritas like you would see at Chipotle, the single pour. So adult beverage has helped. um, But ultimately, quick-service restaurants have struggled. Casual dining has struggled. But fast-casual and fine dining, because of the better quality, tend to be improving and tend to be more successful. And if you're a landlord today in this market... You want to look for those differentiators. Better quality, higher price, better margin, and differentiating from all of the other groups that want to come into your space and serve food.
0: Yeah, well, it's important because as a landlord, you need to make sure your tenants are uh, are successful. It can really hurt your your entire project, not uh, not to mention just that one tenant. And You mentioned margins, Darren. So what are the range you see for margins on restaurants today, and how has that been trending?
1: So, the old rule used to be that for every dollar that you sold in a restaurant, you made a nickel. And today, we certainly see restaurants that can make 15 to 20% margins. A Cooper's Hawk restaurant and winery does incredibly well. But most restaurants are struggling to even be at that 5%. Even the, the corporate franchise stores that have you know, the power of advertising in the marketplace. Those stores are required to pay between seven to ten percent for the marketing and the franchise fees. So even if they're at fifteen percent, often uh, they're struggling just to get to a five percent after after they pay those expenses. So yeah. today, many restaurants are losing money, but remain open because the cost of closing uh, can be financially detrimental to the person because there are obviously costs involved in closing a restaurant, write-offs, um, and big investments. So many restaurants are operating at, at a loss where families and friends are coming in to work for free because they're they're trying to help out. But in general, about 5% is what a restaurant makes. And when you compare that to a number of other types of retail, uh, it's, it's understandable why many restaurants fail within the first year and and quite a few fail even in the next two or three years after that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that makes sense. And, and you do see a lot of them fail. So, um, and you mentioned how important it is to, to landlords. And if you're an investor or in, a, in a restaurant or, or you're a landlord, you're an investor as well. So what are some other tips, Darren, that if uh, you're looking at a restaurateur and they're opening a restaurant in, in your center or you're investing with them, what are some things to look at to get an idea that they, they may be more successful?
1: I think you're going to want to look at a company that has company stores. And that would be Chipotle, Starbucks. So that would be your first option. Yep. Um, if they're not a corporate or company store, you have to look at the strength of the brand. And the first thing you look at is how many stores do you have in your marketplace? Often when a brand comes into a market, they need about 20 stores in a, in a larger market to penetrate where the consumer knows you, knows what you stand for, and starts to frequent the restaurant. So you want to look for a large base of restaurants if it's a chain brand. Now, beyond that, I think you, you have to look at the type of restaurant that wants to come into the space. Regardless of whether it's a chain or an independent, if there are sandwich shops, you really have to know your market and say, well, how many sandwich shops are in this market? If a Firehouse Subs or a Jersey Mike's or a Jimmy John's comes in, you have to understand who their competition is. It tends to be better quality sandwiches or Italian delis. If it's a Subway, then you've got other types of sandwich shops that compete, including McDonald's and Burger King and others. So you have to be kind of aware of what type of restaurant it is and what is the market like in terms of saturation. Because if a coffee shop is coming in and there's 10 of them within a one-mile diameter, then it may not be a good option. But if a restaurant that's coming in uh, is relatively new, uh, could be Thai, could be healthy, could be Mediterranean, those are obviously trending today. As long as there isn't a saturation, I think it's a safer bet uh, to really look at.
0: Okay. And you mentioned that a lot of the consumers are going to to more healthy food and kind of more original offerings. And uh, so I suppose that really means some of these independent uh, restaurants are what some of these millennials are looking for?
1: Yeah, I think we've seen this shift towards healthier restaurants. And it started with salad shops, uh, and then it really started to proliferate with brands like Panera Bakery, and then moving more towards Mediterranean, like Cava Grill and Zoe's Mediterranean. And now it's starting to shift again towards clean-label foods, vegan and vegetarian, and even more importantly, plant-based foods. Now, for years, we've talked about how plant-based foods do not have the taste and flavor, and, and even in some cases, the texture of real meat. But we're starting to see this new generation, and and a good example is the Impossible Burger. It's a plant-based product, good texture, and it's been rolling out in restaurants. Um, And Burger King just recently launched the Impossible Whopper. So I think we're going to start to see more plant-based. These are for people who, you know, they really have dietary restrictions or they want to eat healthier. I'm not sure why they want food that tastes like a cow if they don't want to eat a cow, but... (laughs) If yeah. it's a good quality and it satisfies their urge, um, you know, I, I, I ate one of, one of these impossible whoppers at Burger King. It cost me nearly six bucks for a sandwich, no cheese. Mm-hmm. I got about halfway through it and said, This just isn't a whopper. Yeah. So the people on the commercial, <laughs> I don't know what they're eating, but <laughs> I said, I will stick with the regular, um, you know, the regular hamburger meat. But, yeah. but overall, that, that is shifting because the millennial wants better quality food to put into their system, and they're willing to pay
0: more for it, which is the challenge. And you mentioned some of these restaurants that are trending. What are some of the food types and types of restaurants that may be some uh, opportunities out there today?
1: So fast casual pizza has been at a high growth for years. Uh, Mod Pizza and Blaze have been at the top of the game even in the state of Ohio, LeBron James is an investor in Blaze and, and owns the whole the whole state in terms of expansion. So I think they continue to open stores. Uh Pokey, which is about a bit healthier, uh, certainly you, you have to be able to enjoy raw fish, but sushi's become more mainstream. So pokey shops have been opening and I think they're still in the midst of a trend of growth. I think we're going to continue to see more of them, um, but that will probably end in a couple of years as, as saturation increases. And then in fast casual chicken, chicken has been very, very popular. We just saw, you know, chicken uh, at Popeyes, their sandwiches sold out, because they're trying to replicate what chick-fil-A, which is now the largest. Uh, chicken chains surpassing KFC a few years ago. So I think chicken is still trending. It's less expensive, certainly has taste and flavor, and you know it's healthier for you compared to a lot of other meats. So those are some areas that I think are going to grow. Coffee shops as well. Now when we get into the full service space, it's a lot trickier. I think gastropubs, certainly anything that is serving craft beer and has some level of of engagement with customers, uh, with a good menu that's going to be more upscale and a good burger product uh, is probably a good thing. And then, you know, you have to be careful with fine dining restaurants. You know, fine dining today could be in the $35 to $50 range, not the $50 to $100 range. So anything too pricey for the market uh, might be excessively risky.
0: Interesting. We're talking with Darren Tristano. He's with food service results. And um, what about uh, your thoughts on food halls and and food courts? It seems like uh, that's kind of a a growing trend.
1: So the biggest trend that you see today in food courts and food halls tends to be local. Uh, Local product. Uh, Even when you're in the airport and you're at a food court or even just looking at the the different restaurants in an airport, the shift has been to bring more local business into the airport that's more representative when tourists are coming in and out of that city. So like that trend, the food hall has been designed to bring in kind of a flavor of the marketplace, and they tend to be a little bit more upscale. They certainly have to be a little more simplified because you just can't produce a wide variety of food in the food hall unless, you know, you're like a Panda Express and you have all these different types of walked food. But ultimately, they tend to be very craft in nature, focusing on doing a few things well and not trying to do everything and being everything to everyone. So those are very successful because there's high demand. There's generally lines. They're built in most cases in urban settings. And they're really going after, I think, to start with the working class and then any type of tourism, depending on the marketplace that they're in. When we look at the food courts, they still are very traditional in malls. Malls have been struggling because online ordering has come up so much. And at the end of the day, these food courts tend to be less expensive places, Wetzels, Pretzels, and Auntie Anne's you have concepts that are Asian in nature, whether it's Japanese or Chinese, burger concepts, chicken concepts, but they all tend to be very downscale, very affordable, um, and just not the high quality that younger consumers are looking for. So food courts are a little tougher. Better to get a a strong brand that has a lot of experience in food courts, uh, food halls, Again, very localized. You want the local brands because that's what millennials look for, um, and I think those will be keys to success in, in bringing in the right type of tenant.
0: Yeah, and the local brands and the chef-driven restaurants and things—if you know—that is, like you said, what a lot of consumers are looking for. But, but Darren, how do we know as a as an investor in a restaurant or as a landlord? How do we, what are some tips to know, hey, is this guy, this chef-driven restaurant or, or this kind of local uh, brand, how are they going to make it? Do we need to look at their, their, their Yelp reviews? Do we need to look at, do they know anything about social media? Mm-hmm. What, what are some tips to kind of give us some ideas? Obviously, we want to check the, their money and, and <laughs> their credit and their experience, but, but what about out on their operational side?
1: Yeah, I think with, with a lot of entrepreneurs today, They lack experience, and when it comes down to success, operational experience is probably more important than even the marketing element or even the culinary side of it. So I think you want experience with operations. You ideally want to bring someone in who has other, whether it's a food court or other food hall experience, bring to the table because they've already gone in and they've already learned. If they're, if they're coming in for the first time, you know, they're, they could fail very easily. So the experience is going to be important, certainly a focus on operations, I think price points. But then when you're doing your research, you want to look at the other concepts. You definitely want to look at Yelp reviews make sure that you understand uh, some of the struggles. I'm on the board of one restaurant group, and they have one food court location that happens to be the worst of their 95 restaurants. Mm. And they know what's wrong with it, but it's very, very difficult to fix it. So, you know, not always uh, can you be successful, even with a strong brand behind you. It has to do with operations, getting the right staff, training them, and executing well.
0: Yeah. Well, Darren, what would you leave our audience with uh, related to the restaurant industry moving forward?
1: Well, I think we continue to be in a mixed bag of success and failure. So on the one hand, you've got a brand that's doing extremely well and is exciting and successful. And on the other hand, you can find just quite a few handfuls of restaurants that are really struggling and losing money. And the biggest key that I can point to is off-premise sales for restaurants. And we start with takeaway. So because more consumers don't want to dine in, operators need to make sure that they're building their kitchen, their catering, and their off-premise capabilities to manage larger off-premise sales. So that means less inside the restaurant for dining, and more inside the restaurant to build towards higher sales. Uh, The second is to evaluate delivery, whether you do it directly or whether you're doing it through a third party, which can cost you as much as 30% of your margin. Now, if you're not doing any delivery and these third-party players can bring it to you, you're probably going to make money because it'll be incremental as long as it doesn't cannibalize existing sales. Mm. And then lastly, catering catering can be a make or break for a lot of restaurants. Most restaurants do a couple of percent of catering. Good ones are above 5%, and really good ones can be 10 to 15%. So I think if you're doing catering, you're doing delivery, you have more off-premise pickups, I think you're finding a way to be successful. You're building your margin, and you're doing it without taking up too much unnecessary square footage. So those would be the keys to to an operator, and for a landlord to make sure when they're looking at plans and development and the type of operator, what percentage do you expect to sell off-premise, and how is that going to build your financial success?
0: Wow, those those are excellent tips, Darren. I mean, it really jumps right into, to. you can tell you're right on the cutting edge of what's going on. I mean, it's like just being, we're all, most of us anyway, are consumers in the restaurant world. And, you know, the fact that we can grab our phone and have food delivered and and that sort of thing uh, is really important. And I know you know this very well. One of the tips I would give restaurant owners and and landlords looking at uh, restaurant tenants is, you know, what's the experience with the employees when you go there? I was just at a business the other day where the employees were just remarkably excited and happy and just great to be around. And I was at a competing uh, business and it was the opposite. All the employees acted like uh, (laughs) the world was coming to an end. I'm like, what a different experience. It's just incredible. And and I know that's a big part of it and you know that, but I, I love these tips. And Darren, thank you for joining us. Just great information as usual, sir. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me, and have a great day.
0: Thank you. And if you'd like more from Darren, visit his website. It's DarrenTristano.com. And uh, if you're driving down the road or whatever, just go to CREshow.com and look, uh, search for Restaurant Show, and, uh, and you'll see his link and his uh, contact information. Well, thank you for joining us all. We have today. That's all we have time for with you today. Uh, Thanks for sharing the show and contacting us. Uh, Thanks for your comments on the show and please connect with us on your favorite social media. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial agent success strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com.